Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 7.57 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 29th of April, 2022, and this is episode 582 of Bitcoin and... Kind of a rough night last night. I won't get into it, but I'm probably going to be a little off kilter uh, this morning. So uh, bear with me. And no, I'm not talking about a freaking hangover. Um, You know what? Let's go ahead and just start getting into some of this stuff here. We're going to talk about Panama. We're going to talk about bills. And when I mean bills, I well, you'll figure it out here in a second. Uh, we'll talk about Dogecoin Jesus. Yes, he's back. God forbid he's back. I do want to go over uh, cotton because I've been talking about cotton lately. And apparently uh, I may have actually made a good call. And if I had had $100,000 to put on, you know, cotton logs, I probably, I'd probably be in Antigua or something like that right by now. Anyway, uh, let's see. What else are we going to do? We're going to look at Binance being an idiot. We're going to look at the U.S. Department of Labor being an idiot and a whole bunch of other stuff. All right. So let's dive in to the new features of bills from Bull Bitcoin. That's, uh, I believe that's Francis uh, uh, Pouliot's uh, outfit out of Canada. And... uh, Bear with me, okay? Like I said, bear with me, because you're not going to, if you're from the United States or other countries, you may not understand what's going on. This is actually going to be internal for Canada. So if you are a Canadian listener, this one is definitely for you. Uh, Bills on their blog.bullbitcoin.com is releasing some new features and apparently it's to send interact e-transfers to anyone from your Bitcoin wallet. I have interact up. I had no idea what the hell interact was until, well, I don't know, about 15 minutes ago. Anyway, this seems important and bull Bitcoin has been around for a very long time, very reputable Bitcoin company. So here we go. Send interact e-transfer payments to anybody in Canada funded with Bitcoin sent directly from your own Bitcoin wallet and our biggest upgrades to bull Bitcoin's payment services bills, B-Y-L-L-S, since 2013. Bull Bitcoin's bill payment services were launched eight years ago to encourage Canadians to opt out of the legacy fiat banking system with Bitcoin and tens of thousands of Canadians now use our services every month to pay their bills and send bank transfers to anybody in Canada by paying invoices directly from their own Bitcoin wallet. Since 2013, users can pay off any Canadian credit card and any of the 14,000 Canadian billers we maintain in our database. In 2017, we added the ability to register custom billers, you know, like personal payees, using the recipient's bank account details. And now, We're finally making your Canadian bank account completely obsolete. 
You can send e-transfers to anybody in Canada using only their email address or phone number. So here we go. <clears throat> this is how it works. Interact e-transfer. First, create a new recipient by adding their name and email address. Create a default secret question and secret answer or choose a new one every single time. To create an e-transfer order, simply select a recipient and add the dollar amount you want the recipient to receive. Bull Bitcoin will generate a Bitcoin invoice for the amount you want to send. Pay the invoice using your Bitcoin Lightning Network or Liquid Network wallet. Bull Bitcoin will send the Interact e-transfer to the recipient. You give the secret answer to the recipient. The recipient will accept the e-transfer and the money will be instantly available in their account. Understand the implications of this. You can fully opt out of the banking system in Canada and you would be able to pay for everything you need using your Bitcoin wallet and bull Bitcoin. Combined with our credit card payment option and our list of over 14,000 standard billers, it's hard to think of something that you could not conceivably pay for using bull Bitcoin. We are adding a new option when selling Bitcoin receive the Canadian dollars in your bull Bitcoin account balance, which you can use to buy Bitcoin or bull Bitcoin at a later time. You can also sell Bitcoin and add Canadian dollars to someone else's account balance. This can be used to facilitate payroll solutions, like the employer sends Bitcoin to bull Bitcoin. Bull Bitcoin adds the Canadian dollar amount to the employee's account balance. The employee can purchase Bitcoin at their convenience or the employee can request a full fiat withdrawal. Now, there's a new payment receipts management dashboard. Apparently, Bull Bitcoin has a powerful platform for all sorts of payment use cases. We have created a new payment receipts dashboard that allows you to take full advantage of all of our payment features. You create payment receipts of five different types bank accounts, credit cards, Interact e-transfers, standard billers, bull Bitcoin account balances. A payment receipt is a combination of one of these payment methods and some identifying information that allows bull Bitcoin to perform the payment. You can create these recipients by filling out a form. The information required depends on the payment method. Examples of such receipts, your credit card, Oh, not receipts, recipients. Examples of such recipients. Your credit card. Your mom's landlord's e-transfer email. Your gardener's bank account. Your tax bills. Your small business's electricity bill. Your employee's bull Bitcoin account. There's no limit to what kinds of recipients that you can create. We now have also have a list of all your payment recipients, which make it a lot easier for you to manage your accounting and budgeting. So there you go. Francis is just knocking them down up there in Canada. If you are Canadian, I highly recommend that you go check out Bull Bitcoin at bullbitcoin.com. And if this is something that you want to use to, you know, even if you don't fully opt out of the Canadian banking system, you can certainly put the hurt on those sons of bitches, especially after what they pulled a few months ago. We won't get into that. You know what happened. Now, moving on. Oh, actually, we're not moving on. Interact. <clears throat> so I had to figure out what the hell this was. And I it's just a payment, it's just a payment company, or like they facilitate payments. And if you want to know more, it's interact I-N-T-E-R-A-C dot C A. Interact 
www.ca.ca. And honestly, here's what I want to tell you about. They're a lot larger than I thought. Okay, so in 2021, Interact debit transactions were 5.9 billion transactions, not, not Canadian dollars. Just the number of transactions was 5.9 billion in 2021, according to Interact's website. The Interact e-transfer transactions in 2021 totaled 960.3 million. So their e-transfer system seems to be a little bit on the newer side. Um, and their debit transactions have been going on for quite a while. This is what Francis and Bull Bitcoin is leveraging to make what I just read to you from Bull Bitcoin a thing. Okay, so that's what Interac is. Again, if you want to know more about it, I-N-T-E-R-A-C dot C-A will get you to Interac dot C-A's website. Now, Panama. Panama passes law to regulate Bitcoin and legally recognize decentralized, what? Uh, oh, sorry, DAOs, DAOs, and STOs, apparently. The people of Panama may soon be able to buy their morning brew with Bitcoin. The country's legislature just approved a bill regulating the use of cryptocurrencies in the country. Now, the bill just needs to be signed by the country's president before it becomes into force. The crypto law states that it regulates the trading and use of crypto assets, the issuance of digital value, tokenization of precious metals and other assets, payment systems, and other provisions. According to Congressman Gabriel Silva, it will help the Central American country and tax haven, quote, become a hub of innovation and technology in Latin America. They always go with that. We want to be a hub of innovation. Well, everybody wants to be a hub of innovation anyway. Continuing the idea, according to the bill and Silva, is that Panamanians will be able to buy everyday goods with cryptocurrency if they want to. Quote, today I can go and pay for something to a merchant, and if the merchant wants to accept crypto, it's allowed. It's legal. Until today, that didn't exist in Panama. We're making it happen, said Silva in an interview with local media. He added that over 50% of Panamanians were unbanked and the crypto law would help them. The law stipulates that cryptocurrencies will now be a valid form of payment for any legal civil or commercial operation, including the payment of taxes, fees, and duties to the government. A full list of acceptable cryptocurrencies will be forthcoming, but for now, the law highlights Bitcoin, Shitcoin 1, Shitcoin 2, Shitcoin 3, and Shitcoin 4, among a handful of other shitcoins. But the law will be different to El Salvador's Bitcoin law. In El Salvador, which made Bitcoin legal tender last September, a business must accept Bitcoin if it has the technological means to do so, the law states. In Panama, it will be up to the business. The law also formally recognizes decentralized autonomous organizations as legal entities and sets the framework for the country to issue tokenized securities and commodities like gold and silver via security token offerings or STOs. DAOs are an increasingly popular way for businesses to operate in the crypto world where control is spread out rather than hierarchical. The law also wants to give the government more power to use blockchain technology with the digitization of the identity of individuals and legal entities to create more transparency. All right, ending with a very scary note there, but you know, digital IDs are, that's just gonna happen. DIDs are, are they're on their way. 
it depends on who's going to deploy, you know, what technology is deployed in what country and how on a scale of one to 10, just how bad of an actor that deployment is, it actually is. Okay. But before we leave this, here's what I want to say. A long, not terribly long ago, but kind of long time ago, I was talking about the aftermath of the El Salvador law and how I wished that there was at least another country and hopefully a Latin American country that would simply just make it legal to use, not proscribe it, not demand it, just make it legal for the government has, in this case, the government has to take it and commercial has a choice. And that's exactly what I wanted to see was another implementation, another type of implementation rather than the El Salvadoran implementation. Not that I have anything terrible to say about El Salvador, but anything that you force somebody to do, I don't know. Do you have kids? Go try to force them to clean their room. All right, I got kids. I've tried to force them to clean their room. If you got kids, you know that's not going to work all that well. If you force you know, somebody to, by saying, you can't do this, or you have to do this. You know, watch what happens. It's not the best implementation. The El Salvador implementation is not not the best. It's not that I hate it. It's that it's not the best. But this one, this is the one that I was waiting for. This is exactly what I was talking about, where a law comes into play and it is established by the duly elected officials and federal government of some country where the government is forced to use Bitcoin, but the people are not. However, they can, and it's legal, and that leaves the choice entirely up to the free market. It is a, it's a free market orange pill all its own. And so now we have two Latin American countries that are not in competition with how they've implemented it. It's just two experiments. That's what the United States was supposed to be. Different experiments. We were supposed to be a federated nation of states. And the states had all of the power inside that state. They used the federal government to interact with other states. Yeah, that's what we were supposed to be. And we were supposed to actually have these different regions of the country that were going to do things differently. And here we are basically with two political parties and the red hates the blue and the blue hates the red and the woke hates the asleep and the asleep aren't really asleep. And I don't know, it's a big fucking mess, right? That's the way it was supposed to be. Here, we've got something entirely different. We've got, two we've got two different implementations of how Bitcoin is going to interact with Latin American countries. May the best country and their implementation win. But in this particular case, I think both countries are going to win and it's not going to stop there. And again, this is one of the other things that I've been preaching on the show for a long time. If you're waiting just for news out of Western countries as to what they're going to do with Bitcoin, you're missing the not only the bigger picture, the only picture that matters. While the West may be in control of most of the world, when you really think about it, how can you police that? You can't. So Central America, South America, Africa, 
Malaysia, you know, all the, like the Baltics, the Balkans, I've, I've said it before, far Eastern Europe, you break away states. These are the countries and continents that you need to be looking at. That, what France does with Bitcoin doesn't make a heap of difference. Screw them. They've got, they've got other problems. Same with Canada, same with the United States, same with the UK. I mean, we've been making stupid decisions for well over 500 years. And it's coming back, those chickens are coming back to roost. Just saying. So keep your eye on Panama, especially because Panama's now in control and has been for a while of what? The Panama Canal. A critical link in the world's supply chain is now in a country that accepts Bitcoin. I said it a few weeks ago, probably a few months ago, I'm waiting for the Panama Canal to start taking the duty or whatever it is that they call your, how much ever it is that they, they want money for you to be able to use the Panama Canal. You know, you got to pay for that. You got to buy a ticket to that show. I'm waiting for the first cargo vessel to pay that fee in Bitcoin. That's what I'm really, really waiting on because the minute that shit happens, watch for the Suez Canal to start following suit. And then you've got the entire Middle East that may just turn freaking orange and not from a dust storm. Okay, now Bitcoin miner Riot Blockchain announces a one gigawatt facility in Navarro County, Texas. Bitcoin Magazine's Sean Amick has it. Riot Blockchain is one of the largest North American Bitcoin miners and looks to extend their footprint with a large scale one gigawatt development in Navarro County, Texas per a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. The expansion will strengthen Riot Blockchain's Bitcoin mining and hosting capacity, beginning with an additional 400 megawatts of capacity on a 265-acre site that will be immersion-cooled. Mining and hosting services are expected to be operational come July of 2023, so that's next year. Upon completion of the expansion, Riot's developed capacity will total 1.7 gigawatts, establishing the company among the largest Bitcoin mining operations globally, said Jason Less, CEO of Riot. Quote, this expansion is a testament to the company's demonstrated ability to build and deliver high-quality, large-scale digital asset infrastructure for its Bitcoin mining operations and future hosted clients. Riot's estimated cost for the first phase of the expansion is $333 million, which will be incrementally invested through the remainder of 2022-2023 and into the first quarter of 2024. After the first phase is completed and the initial 400-megawatt expansion is operational, the site will be expandable by another 600 megawatts, totaling 1,000 megawatts or 1 gigawatt, thanks to a 346-kilovolt Navarro switch located 100 or sorry 1250 feet away from the facility damn that they're bringing they're bringing that power real close the switch location means a short easement in all that separates riot from increasing its electrical output priority power incorporated will be providing services to riot through their ongoing strategic partnerships such as managing site development utility interconnection power purchase agreements and power load flexibility Priority Power is a leading service provider in the Bitcoin mining space and will begin with working with Riot during the development of Riot's Windstone location in Rockdale County, or Rockdale, Texas, which was announced May 26, 2021. 
A key part of Riot's business model is to amplify the positive impacts that the company's business model has on the local community. We look forward to replicating the positive impacts that Riot has had on the community of Rockdale in Milam County in Navarro County. Okay, that's a little bit of a clunky sentence. I'm not sure exactly what they mean. I'm just going to skip it. <laughs> Said Chad Harris, CEO of Winstone, a fully owned subsidiary of Riot. Riot noted the conclusion of the first phase of the expansion is expected to create around 270 direct jobs and drive significant economic growth into Navarro County, Texas. And just to make sure exactly that I know what the hell's going on, where is Navarro County, Texas? I mean, shit, there's, dude, there's like, literally, there's only, what, 270 or 250 counties in, in Texas? So, where is Navarro County? Navarro County is smack dab between Dallas and Waco on the eastern side, okay? Smack dab in the middle of Navarro County is Corsicana, Texas. If you have not been out in that particular region of the country, or rather of Texas, it's freaking gorgeous. You've heard me talk about the hill country being pretty. Well, once you get off that limestone slab, uh, all, all of a sudden there are nothing but there's just lake after lake after lake after lake and forest. I mean, deep, deciduous, non-pine wood forests out here. And there's so many places to go fishing. There's so many places to go hunting. You know, Corsicana at this point is going to probably, let's see, there's three, there's basically three towns of note. There's uh, Karen's and then there is Powell and then there is Corsicana and all the rest of them are pretty much, are very, very, very much smaller. However, they have not one, but two massive lakes. And then they have a whole bunch of spotted small ponds and lakes that you can go fishing in. And I'm talking hundreds, I'm talking hundreds of these things. I mean, it's, you gotta go. If, if you're gonna be able to, if you're out in the uh, Waco, Dallas, uh, Waxahachie area, man, dude, you should probably run out there and, and go see this shit for yourself. Now, let's move on from there and go into the resurrection of Jesus. Dogecoin Jesus. Roger Ver resurfaces on Twitter and backs Doge over Bitcoin. You know, you know, the last time he did this, the last time that he backed something over Bitcoin, and I can't even remember the name of it. I can't remember. He was in a, he was in a debate on, uh, on a podcast. And this was uh, one of the first times, or this was one of the, actually this particular podcast debate, it was Roger Ver and a few other people, but the other guy was, um, Bitcoin knowledge, uh, podcast guy. Oh, he screwed himself. He screwed himself. Hold on. What's his name? Jesus. Trace Mayer. That's who I'm thinking of. Trace Mayer. And it, during that particular debate, Roger started talking about some other shit coin. And at the time it was, I, it wasn't Monero. I can't remember what it was, but he was shitting all over Bitcoin and talking about how this one was faster and cheaper and, and, and guess what was going on at the time. That's right. The block size debate and the potential activation. This was before he made Bitcoin cash. And he said he was going to make his own fork of Bitcoin. And that's when Trace Mayer said, literally said, do it. 
And Roger took his ass up on it, created Bitcoin Cash. And then what, a year, a year and a half later, we had that one fork into Calvin Air and his darling little daughter, uh, Craig Wright's uh, baby chain, uh, whatever the hell that thing's called, BSV. So what do we have going on today? Well, apparently we've got this OpCTV activation debate going on. And here comes Roger Ver out of the woodwork instead this time. Now, now Roger Ver is backing Doge. You got to be really careful with this dude. He is every bit of a scammer. He was a scammer as he was like, you know, selling, he was selling BTC. And we all thought he was Bitcoin Jesus because he was, he was out there in the streets doing the Lord's work. You know what he was doing? He was just, he didn't see Bitcoin as anything other as just one other scam that he could fucking perpetrate on everybody else so that he could get rich. He, he never cared about Bitcoin and he certainly doesn't care about it. Now, Jesse Coglin tells us why coin telegraph Roger Ver, an early investor and ardent promoter of Bitcoin, which earned him the moniker Bitcoin Jesus, has resurfaced on Twitter after a year and backed Dogecoin in an interview, preferring it for payments over the world's first crypto. In an interview with Bloomberg, the Bitcoin.com founder said how he was a fan of the meme coin due to its fast transaction times and, you guessed it, low fees. Quote, Dogecoin is significantly better. It's cheaper and more reliable than Bitcoin. If I had to pick three contenders for the world's dominant cryptocurrency, they would be Doge, Litecoin, and of course, Bitcoin Cash, end quote. Ver also took time in the interview to voice his support for honorary Dogecoin CEO Elon Musk's Twitter takeover. Quote, it'll certainly make Twitter more attractive, said Ver. I can't disagree with that. I am really, really grateful that Musk is out there calling out censorship. Yeah, well, you know, Roger, wait till he starts censoring shit of his own. Although Ver was a proponent of Bitcoin for years, he now spends his days as a Bitcoin cash evangelist, the altcoin which forked from Bitcoin after a dispute over the block size. The video posted in, Mar in March to Ver's YouTube channel shows he and his entourage onboarding retail merchants and taxi drivers to use Bitcoin cash as a preferred payment method in St. Martin. Ver says that Bitcoin Cash is the true vision of Bitcoin creator Satoshi Nakamoto. And despite all his advocacy for the crypto, he claims he isn't all in on BCH. Quote, I'm definitely a cryptocurrency whale still. I've always had a wide assortment of cryptocurrency. I was never a Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash maximalist, end quote. Yeah, well, that's fucking evident, Roger. In his return to Twitter, Ver wasted, wasted little time calling attention to crypto's first principles. With his second tweet after his hiatus on Thursday, he said that custodial wallets like those used by traders interacting with centralized exchanges would cause Bitcoin to lose a key revolutionary property. Non-custodial wallets, where the user retains control over the assets, allow Bitcoin to stand out from banks and other financial products. And there you go. So it's the same thing from this guy all the time. All the time. He does the same shit. When he was going to fork Bitcoin, it was because we were in the middle of a, of a different kind of activation fight between two different camps. And this is when the, the New York Agreement was signed. All right, this is when a whole bunch of shit went down. And now with the OPCTV fracas, and don't ask me what side I'm on, I don't know yet because I haven't been able to read enough about it to make any kind of determination whatsoever. But here we go again.
op CTV as an act like and, and the activation method behind it is causing fucking problems. And here comes Roger Ver out of the woodwork like a termite. Right? You need to be careful with this guy. It doesn't matter that he was an early evangelist. It doesn't matter that he was in before everybody else. I believe his motives were the same for Bitcoin at the time as they were for BCH when he forked it, as they are for Dogecoin and any other shit coin like Monero or fucking Litecoin or whatever that it is today. It's just, he's just running a scam. That's all he's doing. Goldman Sachs has offered its first Bitcoin-backed loan. As per a report, Namcios tells us more out of Bitcoin Magazine. The arrangement, made popular over the past few years in the Bitcoin industry by newer companies, enables a Bitcoin holder to obtain fiat money like U.S. dollars by putting up their BTC as collateral to the bank. If the price of Bitcoin drops, the user may be required to increase their collateral, risky, uh, risking getting liquidated in case they fail to do so. The Wall Street giant lent cash collateralized by Bitcoin owned by the borrower for the first time. A spokeswoman for the bank told Bloomberg the deal was interesting to Goldman because of its structure and 24-hour risk management, she told the publication in an email. Bitcoin investors have commonly leveraged the setup to increase their holdings when the price of the digital currency dips. Based on the assumption that Bitcoin's decade-long price history uh, of appreciation will continue on into the future, the user chooses to acquire more Bitcoin with credit without having to pay with their own cash. The loan type is also popular in another use case, buying shit. With a Bitcoin-backed loan, a Bitcoin holder can pay for goods or services with cash without needing to sell their Bitcoin. Not only does the user keep the, their Bitcoin stash, provided they pay out the loan when it matures, but they also don't have to worry about tax implica implications from a BTC sale. Bitcoin-backed loans have also become popular among Bitcoin mining companies, which earn revenue in BTC but need to pay for their operating costs in U.S. dollars or other currencies. Historically, miners would sell part of their produced Bitcoin to cover expenses, but over the past couple of years, big players in the industry have grown fond of taking out cash loans with their Bitcoin holdings. Goldman's entrance into the Bitcoin-backed loan business represents a watershed moment for the industry in terms of liquidity, legitimacy, and optionality available for consumers. Bloomberg did not report the details of the loan, which means we don't know who took it. We don't know how big it was. We don't know when its maturity date is. We know nothing about it, but that's okay. I'm not a fan of Goldman Sachs, but when they're forced to get into the industry like this, I can't do anything but grin before we do numbers. Unless you are dead sure of your goals and, and your timeline to achieve those goals, do not take out a Bitcoin loan. Do not relinquish your keys to anybody for any reason. Doing it just to do it is not a good reason. Doing it because you have a specific thing in mind, that's when you do it. But remember, price volatility, if you've taken out a $100,000 loan and you get 100,000 in cash from Goldman Sachs, and you put up three Bitcoin, okay? Right now, let's say it's, it's $40,000 to make easy math, right? <clears throat> so you got what, $120,000 of Bitcoin backing $100,000 in liquid cash that is now in your, sitting in your account. All right, 
Price drops 50%. We are now at $60,000 of collateral backing $100,000 that you actually are in possession of. Goldman is going to do one of two things. They are going to call, well, actually, they're going to do two things. They're going to call you and say, dude, we're going to liquidate your positions unless within the next hour you send us more Bitcoin or some other form of collateral. And if you don't, then step two, they sell your Bitcoin off and you will never see it again. And you'll be stuck with $100,000 and owe them possibly $40,000 more or something like that. Just be very careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's run the numbers. All right, let's see what flammable liquids are doing. They are, well, they're not exactly on fire, but they're not quenched. West Texas Intermediate up a full point to $106.42. Brent North Sea up Oh man, a point and three quarters to $109.51. Natural gas is up 2.87% to $7.08. And gasoline down scant to $3.50 a gallon. Gold up almost a full point to $1,910. Silver is down a third to $23.09. Platinum is up one and a third. Copper is down scant. Palladium making the move 3.62% to the upside. Agricultural futures are mostly up. Wheat is down. Soybeans are up. Let's see who's the biggest winner is coffee, 2.37% to the upside, and cotton, 0.51% to the upside. We're going to come back to cotton here in a second. Uh, Dow down half a point. S&P down over a full point. NASDAQ is down a point and a third. And S&P mini coming in at down half a point. Now, let's talk about cotton. Remember what I was saying yesterday about Cotton futures, well, cotton is coming in at a price of $148.45. It's up 0.77 or 0.52% right now. If I go to the chart and I look at the entire history that CNBC.com will allow me to look at, and that ends somewhere prior to 2006, this is the highest price for cotton ever. That's that is the the max amount of data that I can get out of CNBC right now is is two thousand is mid two thousand five somewhere. That's the most amount of of data that they're gonna that they're letting me see. And cotton is at an all time high. Not only is it an all time high, the previous all time high was let's see in two thousand uh, December of two thousand ten, and it was at what one hundred and seventeen dollars and forty one cents. Why the moves? Okay, so as I noted, as I was driving to uh, Beef Initiative, I saw lots of cotton fields that were not being planted. Now, looking at the agricultural data, I have determined that they still have time to plant. Planting will occur all the way through the first part of June. So they have the entire month of May. So I may take a few drives around cotton country and see what I can see. But be that as it may, even if they do plant, where are they going to get the fertilizer from? Diesel is at an all-time high. Okay, well, not maybe not an all-time high if it's inflation-adjusted, but it's damned expensive. And these guys are ra- running razor-thin margins as it is. And by these guys, I mean cotton farmers. Then we've got the whole fertilizer issue. 
they don't have any fertility in their soil that doesn't come out of a chemical set, right? Big, you know, big, big brainy boys chemistry set is definitely in action pretty much up and down the corridor that is cotton country in the uh, west part of Texas, right? You don't, there is no such thing as fertile soil up here anymore because we've destroyed it. They cannot depend on the soil functionality to be able to convert atmospheric nitrogen into a nitrogen form that plants can use. So all of it has to come from urea-based um, or the, yeah, urea-based uh, fertilizers, right? That shit, they're not, I mean, Pacific Railroad is telling people that they're not even, that they're reducing their shipments. I don't know why the railroad has to announce it. Is it because they can't get it? If they can't get it, then they what they should have said is, we don't have any to actually put on the fucking train. So therefore, that's why we're, you're not getting your, your shit. But no, the announcement from Union Pacific or Pacific or whatever the railroad company's name that came out yesterday said that they are just flat out reducing the amount of fertilizer that they're sending. Let that roll around in your head. Is it because they're refusing to actually put, they, they have it? that people want to put it on the train and they're just not going to doesn't really matter because when you think about the implications of this, we could get rain. We're probably not going to, we're going to be in a drought. Um, they can, the farmers can plant, but without rain, it's kind of iffy as to just how much those plants are going to struggle, which is probably why they're waiting if they are going to plant at all. But third, what are they going to dump on it? What chemistry set can they get their hands on? So therefore, Again, I reiterate, this is not investment advice, but it is something to look at, and that would be cotton futures. However, when you really get down to it, what about anything else that you start with a seed and you put in the soil and you depend on water and you depend on fertilizer? Well, that would be corn, wheat, barley, rye, um, uh, uh, canola, or actually let's call it what it really is, rapeseed. Um, and I know it's bad, but it's still being grown. Uh, you name it. All agricultural futures, if it depends on a seed and it depends on soil and rain and fertilizer and tractors burning diesel fuel, I think, I think everything is going to go to the moon. So I don't know how to do futures, though. If somebody can call uh, Greg Foss for me and get him on the horn and, and, and see what he says, has to say about this, I'd really appreciate it. But we've got other fish to fry. Bitcoin is at $38,915. 4.3 million BTC have been sent in the past 24 hours. We're getting heavy volume going on nowadays. And this is like, I remember when it was like you were doing good on a Friday or Thursday or whatever to get, you know, 930,000 Bitcoin changing hands. And that was not long ago, ladies and gentlemen. This week, I've seen nothing but, you know, 4.3, 1.2, you know, things like that, million BTC. That is, in fact, <clears throat> 183,000 BTC being sent per hour on average with an average transaction value of 15 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.015 BTC or just under $600. Block times are low, nine minutes and 28 seconds. We have 0.08 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis and 12 and a half BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. 
Uh, with a 16.37% drop in hash rate, we are at 204.7 exahashes per second. Dogecoin chilling out where it should be, well, where it has been, not should, it should be zero. It has been chilling out at around 13.8 United States pennies. There are 6,240 transactions waiting on five blocks to clear. We have a $745.3 billion market capitalization, which is 5.92% of gold's market cap. And if you so choose, you may purchase 20.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,025,467.18 of, and 3,674. Those are in the Lightning Network valued at $144 million, which is exactly what it's been for weeks now. 16,833 total nodes that we can see operating on the Lightning Network is supporting 82,428 payment channels and 72.7% .7 of all that shit's being run over the 11,674 associated Tor nodes that we know about, and that's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use bipartisan bill to give CFTC the authority over exchanges and stable coins. Yay, Jesse Coughlin, Cointelegraph. A bipartisan group of lawmakers in Washington, D.C. introduced an updated bill on Thursday to regulate cryptocurrency developers, dealers, exchanges, and stablecoin providers, bringing them under the regulatory control of the United States Commodity Future Trading Commission. Regulate cryptocurrency developers. I'm hoping that they're talking about people that want to, you know, build, you know, spin up some kind of shit chain and then throw a shit token on top of it and then release it out into the wild as a fucking security, mostly unregistered. I don't think they're really actually going to be able to wrap their heads around the fact that they can't regulate Bitcoin development. They can't do it. It's impossible. Even if they say Bitcoin development is now illegal, and if we catch you developing on Bitcoin, you're going to die. Yeah, guess how many Anon accounts are going to come out, and they're not even going to mention what they're working on. They're just going to work on it. And then they'll, you know, maybe they'll make GitHub illegal. Mm, how many other places of a repository can be spun up? What if we just spin up a repository on Bitcoin? Well, you can't do it on the, on the blockchain. I'm, I'm just saying somebody's going to do it. I mean, we get, federated models are falling from the sky like rain. You're not going to stop this. So when they say stupid shit, a bill on Thursday to regulate cryptocurrency, develop, cryptocurrency developers, good fucking luck. Yeah, the Digital Commodity Exchange Act of 2022 was reintroduced to Congress by Republican Representative Glenn Thompson and Tom Emmer with support from Democrat co-sponsors Darren Soto and Ro Khanna. The updated version includes a section covering stablecoin providers who can register as a fixed-value digital commodity operator. Those operators would be obligated to share how the stablecoin operates, retaining records for the regulator, along with providing information on the assets backing the fixed value digital commodity and how they're secured. As per the last bill, the DCEA would authorize the CFTC to register and regulate cryptocurrency exchanges that offer spot trading in crypto commodities, those that allow traders to buy cryptocurrencies at the current price. 
the DCEA would not affect the United States Securities and Exchange Commission's regulatory power over digital asset security offerings, but instead classify cryptocurrencies that are not securities as digital commodities to be brought under regulation by the CFTC. Crypto exchanges would also be subject to the same rules as other commodity providers for listing new cryptocurrencies on their platforms. Exchanges must demonstrate the crypto is not really readily susceptible to manipulation by analyzing its mechanics, such as its purpose, functionality, governance structure, distribution, and participation. Developers of cryptocurrency could also voluntarily register with the CFTC and make disclosures required for public trading and listing on an exchange. A summary of the act says registration would ensure accuracy of records and public information about the crypto is standard and could help facilitate public exchange listings. Regulatory uncertainty has afflicted cryptocurrency businesses operating in the U.S. and in a release, the co-sponsors of the bill said it would help with easing the prevailing uncertainty of the current rules with Soto saying, quote, regulatory clarity is critical for digital commodity markets to provide innovation and consumer protection. Innovators are spending up to 50% of startup cost on legal fees because of the current regulatory ambiguity between what is a security and what is a commodity. End quote. Industry advocacy body, the Crypto Council for Innovation, called the bill a step forward as it creates a new atmosphere of opportunity without stifling innovation. Oh, for fuck's sake. Quote, this is one of the few bills introduced that the industry should watch closely. Oh, oh. Sorry, I'm having a, I'm, I'm having a gag reflex here. In February, CFTC Chair Rostin Benham told lawmakers during a Senate hearing on digital assets that the commission had a lack of authority to enforce the crypto space due to differing regulations. Benham called the crypto space, quote, in essence, an unregulated market and said more regulatory authority for the CFTC will only allow us to see what's going on underneath the hood. End quote. The bill will need to move forward to a hearing by the Agriculture Committee. If passed by the House, it will then be taken up by the Senate Agriculture Committee for discussion. Okay, why the Senate Agriculture Committee when we're talking about a commodity? Well, this has go, this goes back to right around, I think, the Depression era when a couple of dudes decided that they were going to deliver all the onions that were bought on futures contracts and and force the floor of the commodities exchange to accept physical delivery of all 400 tons or so. And they literally dumped them in the street, on the steps, everywhere they could find. They just littered New York or downtown New York or downtown Manhattan with onions, literally. And it was at that point that, and, and this was before the CFTC, you know, obviously. Okay, so the Department of Agriculture was pretty much the only people that had anything to do with all this shit. And that's where this shit was all dumped, right? Well, it was at that time that the Agriculture Department decided that maybe they should regulate this shit. And then all of a sudden the CFTC was born. What is a commodity? How is it traded? Do they have trading floor? Where is it? Blah, blah, blah. Who's going to do physical delivery? Is something allowed to be physically delivered? You, I mean, all that shit comes under the purview of the CFTC. And that's why we're talking about the Department, the Department of Agriculture and the Agriculture Committee coming in and weighing in on this bill because it is still under the purview 
of the agriculture department when it comes to commodities, not securities, just the commodities portion. So just a little history there. I may have gotten some of that wrong. If I did and you're laughing at me, feel free to point and laugh at me on Twitter. I don't actually mind. Okay, now let's talk about Bitcoin Optech newsletter 197. And we're talking mostly here about activating CTV. Jeremy Rubin posted to the Bitcoin dev mailing list his plan to release software that will allow miners to begin signaling whether they intend to enforce the BIP 119 rules for the proposed op check template verify or opctv opcode. If 90% of the blocks signal positively during any of the next several 2016 block or two week retarget periods, anyone using Rubin software will themselves begin enforcing CTV's rules starting around early November. That's early November. Again, say it one more time. We're talking about Thanksgiving of this year. All right, so let's not all start collectively shitting our pants. We've got some time, not a whole lot, but we have enough to start seeking clarity. Ruben described in detail multiple reasons for believing Bitcoin users may wish to activate CTV now, such as consistency. CTV has a stable specification implementation uh, popularity, a number of people and organizations who are well known to the Bitcoin community support CTV. That's not a reason. Sorry, it's not. Viability, there do not appear to be any objections claiming that CTV violates any highly desired properties of Bitcoin. And desirability, CTV provides features users want, such as covenant-based vaults. Over a dozen people replied on the mailing list either directly to Ruben's email or in other threads. We're unable to summarize all the noteworthy replies, but some of the comments we found particularly interesting included from Anthony Towns. He analyzed transactions on the CTV Signet. Almost all look like they may have been constructed with the same software, Sapio, possibly indicating a lack of public exploration of CTV. He further noted that changing the consensus rules to add a new feature create risks for Bitcoin users, even for people who don't plan to use the new feature. So it's important to provide the non-adopters with public evidence that the feature will be valuable enough to others to justify the risk. Subsequent to this post, additional experimentation was performed on the CTV signet. Matt Corallo also argued that changing consensus creates significant costs for everyone. So we should only attempt softworks when we're sure a proposal provides the maximum value available from a change. In the case of covenants, Corallo wants to see the most flexible and useful and hopefully private design. He later said, from what I have seen, it's not clear uh, sorry, I got interrupted there. It's not clear that CTV is really a good option. Russell O'Connor noted on Bitcoin Wizards IRC that one of the proposed ways of using CTV could not be communicated in an existing Bitcoin address format, such as base 58 check, BEC32 or BEC32M. That method of using CTV via bare script, a script that appears directly in a script pub key would require wallet developers only use bare CTV with their own internal transactions 
or write special tools to communicate the information usually contained in an address. Alternatively, wallets wanting to use CTV for some applications, such as vaults, could receive payments to a P2TR address, which committed to later using Bear CTV. All right, so there's more. All right, there's there's David Harding keyed in. Uh, James O'Burney has had you know uh, discussions, but we what we're in right now is yet another kind of fight. And this is over the activation method of BIP 119 or BIP 119. And it's probably gonna be messy again. And here comes Roger Ver out of the woodwork all of a sudden talking about how this time it's Dogecoin and not whatever shitcoin he was using in 2017 before he split off from, from Bitcoin. So the this, this is when opportun, opportunists start knocking at the door and Roger Ver was right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Um, let's try to keep our heads about us during these times when, about this whole op CTV. I don't know enough about it to make a decision. I don't know enough about the activation method that we're talking about. I think it looks like that speedy trial that we did this last time when we got Taproot in, but honestly, that was kind of rough, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like a whole bunch of name calling and fighting and mudslinging. This one, uh, this one kind of worries me a little bit that we're going to get into some fighting and people are going to get hurt and people are going to rage quit. And there's going to be developers that rage quit and it's going to look bad for Bitcoin. And it's going to be in the fucking news on CNN about how the lead lead maintainer of Bitcoin has quit because op CTV and guess what? We remain in the goddamn bear market because if you don't think we're in a bear market, we are, we are, I'm sorry. We are okay. We're in consolidation. I'll give you that. Maybe not a bear market. I'll give you consolidation, but we are sure as shit ain't chilling out in a bull market right now. And if this goes south, if this BIP 119 goes south and this op CTV thing doesn't pan out and people start rage quitting and they have, they have like some kind of prominence. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we can look forward to another full year of consolidation. Actually beyond November, like a year beyond November when this shit is supposed to come to a head. So buckle up and get ready for boring Bitcoin. See this, I, I hate it when Bitcoin is boring. I don't want to poke it with a stick, but I can't stand it when it's boring like this. So let's move on and let's talk about the Central African Republic adopting Bitcoin as legal tender again, because nobody seems to know whether they did or didn't. So this will be the third time that I've read a story about Central African Republic and their stance on Bitcoin. And I I am not entirely hopeful that they're going to clear up whether you can use Bitcoin, whether it is legal tender. I don't know yet. Let's find out. Maybe Namcios will tell us out of Bitcoin Magazine. The Central African Republic has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, the president's office said on Wednesday. The move makes the African country the second nation in the world to officially adopt BTC as a lawful currency, enabling its citizens to use it in regular commerce as well as to pay taxes. Do not pay your taxes in Bitcoin. Use their own shitty currency. CAR lawmakers, the Central African Republic, CAR lawmakers unanimously approved a bill legalizing the use of cryptocurrencies in the country and making Bitcoin and the CFA franc legal tender. President Faustin 
Archange Tuarda then signed the measure into law. His chief of staff, Obed Namcio, said in a statement, the car, quote, is the first country in Africa to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. This move places the Central African Republic on the map of the world's boldest and most visionary countries. The, the statement was posted on the president's Facebook account. AFP first reported the news early on Wednesday. The news contradicts a statement reportedly made by car finance minister Herv Noba on Tuesday stating that the legislation being passed did not mirror the Salvadoran foray into Bitcoin adoption. El Salvador became the first country in the world to bring Bitcoin under its umbrella of legal currencies last year. The Central American country's Bitcoin law came into force on September the 7th, 2021, as citizens and businesses were given the green light to transact in the peer-to-peer -peer digital currency. While the majority of El Salvador's population did not have access to the banking system when the country's Bitcoin adoption began, internet access was widespread. However, the same can't be said for the Central African Republic. Internet penetration in the African country was estimated to be only 11.4% of the population in January of 2021, which could hinder a widespread usage of BTC as the digital currency leverages internet connectivity for peer communication in the network and for sending payments. All right, Namsias, there's one thing that I think I remember from a couple of those other stories and from recent memory is that most African countries have skipped right over landline telephones as well as internet connection and have gone straight to mobile. And if I remember right, something around anywhere between 40 and 50% of the Central African Republic has the ability to access the internet via mobile. And honestly, that's kind of all you need. You don't really need land, you know, or fiber penetration into the country and physical lines coming into people's houses, huts and whatnot. All right. So I don't think that's really going to, I honestly don't think that's going to stymie anything. But so here's the thing. It appears that the Central African Republic has indeed made Bitcoin legal tender as well as something known as an official currency. So Bitcoin apparently has both these things going for it in the Central African Republic. Again, after El Salvador, and it looks like Panama is going to fall as a domino behind that, we have Central African Republic. And that represents my two major places that I've been looking at for the last two years, Latin America and the continent of Africa. Nothing stops Bitcoin at this point. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's one to end the week off with. And since we were talking a little bit about mining, might as well carry forward the theme. Dad says jokes. The cop asked, whose car is this? Where are you headed? What do you do? The miner replied, mine. Let you turn that around in your head for a little while. If you want to support the show, Podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. You can do it through Fountain App. You can do it through Breeze Wallet. You can do it through Sphinx Chat. All you got to do is go to one of those Podcasting 2.0 enabled 
apps and search internally for the Bitcoin and podcast. And that's it. Once you subscribe to the show or start, you can, you don't even have to subscribe if you don't want to. You can just like listen to one, give me a couple of boosts and stream me Satoshis or whatever you want to do. How can you do that? Because there's a wallet, a lightning wallet involved in every single one of the podcasting 2.0 apps. Are we taking Ethereum? No. Dude, is Doge going to come in here? I don't know. Not, I mean, like literally podcasting 2.0 is Bitcoin enabled, not Dogecoin enabled, not shitcoin one enabled, not anything enabled, but Bitcoin enabled. That's it. That's all we give a shit about. Honestly, why? Because, well, it's the only money worth a shit. So now all you have to do is look for the Bitcoin and podcast. You start playing one of my podcasts and you can stream me Satoshis once you've loaded up your lightning wallet inside that app. It all comes together. It all comes down as one. You don't have to actually do anything but listen to the show, load your wallet, and stream Satoshis if you want to support the show. And if you don't want to do it that way, you can do it through the nasty old legacy financial system via patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and podcast. Sign up for a buck a month. A buck a month is all I ask, and I will give you the news almost every day. I wasn't here yesterday because of prior engagement that I couldn't get out of, but mostly every single weekday, I will bring you the news of what the hell's going on in Bitcoin so that you can just listen to it while you're, I don't know, gardening or washing the dishes or driving to work or whatever it is that you do that doesn't involve a whole shit ton of noise. And I will hopefully be able to bring you what the hell's going on day to day with your support. I'll see you on the other side. Have a good weekend, y'all. This has been Bitcoin and... And I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.